Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the second episode of Catch Up with Louise Makshari. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am so happy wherever you are, wherever you're listening, whenever you're listening, I'm so happy that you've chosen to and so grateful. Um, And gratitude is actually exactly where I need to start this week because I, I mean, I was completely blown away by the response to episode one. It was just so warmly received and I cannot thank you all so much and so many people took the time to message me to post on social media to review it to you know just interact with the podcast which is all I ever wanted Um, and it has made me feel very excited but also a little bit scared that I'm not going to be able to kind of keep it up but I'm going to do my best and um, and I just wanted to say really thank you from the bottom of my heart for supporting me in such a big way it's much appreciated so hopefully as I said I can keep up the standard and I think you're going to enjoy today so um, later on in the pod you will hear me having a chat with Andrew Fitzsimons who if you're a fan of the Kardashians you know who Andrew is he's the Irish hairdresser who has been in the background of many a scene he is on call for them most of his current life and he helps to make their hair look absolutely beautiful and the reason that I wanted to talk to him today for the podcast is he has launched his own hair care brand and I was really moved I think is the word by the inclusivity in that campaign and the diversity of the women mostly women and the people he used um, in the campaign for me you know as a fat woman if you know we don't often see ourselves Sometimes you might see someone who's like, you know, a plus size model in fashion terms, which usually doesn't mean, you know, it usually means a relatively thin woman. And she's probably tucked away behind another crowd of models. But this campaign features a, a proper plus size woman, you know, in her own image, in all of her fierceness and power. And um, I wanted to ask him about that and why he decided to do that. So we'll be doing that later on. And also it's, you know, I love to talk to celebs and this week was a big week when it comes to celeb news so i'll be chatting through all of the week's stories with cassie delaney but first it is time to chat through the week's news 
I'm absolutely delighted to be back with you for more of the Irish Examiner who is going to take us through the week's news stories. And we're going to start in Ukraine. And I was thinking about the fact that, you know, a few weeks ago, it was kind of an all-consuming thing that was mm-hmm. happening. It was it was all anyone was thinking about. We were all talking about it. Um, but it's kind of faded a little bit in terms of people's consciousness now. And that's kind of just what happens isn't it with big news stories yeah i think it's like a coping mechanism for human behavior as well you know before uh ukraine we were all like really concerned about afghanistan and before afghanistan we were really concerned about you know covid19 i think i read somewhere that like society in general can only really hold you know one thing to be panicked about at a time mm. and i think yeah it's a coping thing that you get used to seeing we're so used to seeing like these really horrific images of like shelling and bombing and like western this Western European cities in Ukraine and then we're even now used to seeing, you know, images of, you know, refugees coming through Dublin Airport or in camps in Poland and stuff like that. Mm. But I don't think people should feel guilty either. I do think it is a coping mechanism where you can't walk around with this big cloud hanging over your head all the time. Like, you can be concerned about it, but it doesn't have to be all consuming. Yeah. And, like, I would like I was just looking at the, the news today and there are peace talks but it is i've actually noticed this that you know the the news and the lines that are coming out of the peace talks they're being held in turkey and it's russian and ukrainian negotiators and the turkish lines that are coming out of it it's like yeah you know really optimistic you know things are happening and the ukrainians are like no like they don't trust the russians whatsoever you know the russians said that they would kind of reduce the amount of shelling and bombing in certain cities that really hasn't happened you know there are new series of missile strikes on different cities things like this so it's one of those things i get it's that you know the viral tweet of like i get up every day have a coffee and check on Zelensky. yeah <laughs> like that's the way i feel at the minute is that isn't it strange how like everyone has taken to Zelensky? he nearly has this like superhero yeah. type quality but um Basically, he said that, you know, Ukrainian people are sceptical, especially of Russia. Russia saying one thing in negotiations and doing another on the ground. There was some chat during the week that if, you know, Ukraine decided not to join NATO, not to build up their military, you know, there could be some kind of settlement that hasn't come to anything. Mm -hmm. You know, we're seeing now like different cities are being attacked or four or five cities have been attacked in the last couple of days. Putin's not letting up. Um, the lines that are coming out of the security services are saying that, you know, his military, you know, he has a lot of military might, but the morale within the troops is not there. Like, even when you see the images of the Russian soldiers, they're like 19. I know. I mean, they're so young. It's horrible. And then obviously all the oligarchs are being mm. punished as well, which I'm sure is having an impact. Yeah, because this isn't a popular invasion really um i know obviously there's a lot of state propaganda in russia so it's hard to get a read on what the actual feeling is but when you start hitting people in their pocket you know we're seeing these sanctions Mm. the toughest sanctions that have ever been put on russia and russian oligarchs and we saw during the week that roman abramovich the former owner of chelsea was poisoned things are getting and it feels like a film sometimes yeah but uh ireland for instance we um expelled four russian diplomats this week simon coveney and the Department of Foreign Affairs wrote uh, to the embassy and said that they had been expelled. They said that their behaviour um, was not acceptable. And, you know, there's Article 9 of this convention. You can expel people. Um, the government are at pains to stress that they're keeping diplomatic channels open with Russia. They have not expelled the ambassador. Now, every single opposition party has called for them to expel the ambassador. However, the government says 
that's not how diplomacy works. We need to keep the ambassador there. We need to keep the channels open. And also there are a lot of Irish people in Russia. Mm. Um, when they expelled the Russian diplomats this week, the Russian embassy put out a statement and said the move will not go unanswered. Ah. Which I find very ominous. Yeah, I read that and was like, uh, I don't uh, like that. No. Um, what we might see is that they might expel some of the Irish diplomats in Moscow. Right. Um, kind of a tit for tat thing. We'll have to wait and see. But I find that very, yeah. very uh, ominous at the time. Don't really like that language. Mm, no. But um, yeah, so things, the thing is, I don't know how long this can go on for because, you know, we know that NATO aren't going to send troops and mm. they said that they won't. I think it's going to, like, Ukraine is going to lose something mm. I think, in this and Putin will be emboldened by that. <sighs> right. Um, so... <laughs> From one positive news story to another, um, I'm loath to talk about COVID again. I kind mm-hmm. of hoped that wouldn't be something that we would have to do, mm-hmm. but I kind of feel like we have to acknowledge the rise in numbers. Yeah, it's it's rising exponentially. I mean, even anecdotally, I'm sure everyone listening to this at this stage knows someone who has had or does have COVID. I've had COVID, you've had I've COVID. I've had COVID <laughs> in the last few weeks, yeah. So we know the cases have exploded. We're at thousands and thousands of cases every day however yeah this is what i want from you (laughs) however however (laughs) we are not going back in the restrictions um the minister for health stephen donnelly said it is so transmissible at the minute it's so rampant in the community that the only thing that would stop the spread is a level five lockdown and we're not going to do that yeah the health service is under severe pressure however the critical care is not is it is obviously always under pressure because it's the hse but it's not where it would be we need to go back into restrictions the thing that they always come back to is we're so highly vaccinated as a population so although there is a lot more covid in the community it is not translating into pressure on the health service great and that's what they're going to keep an eye on so and people aren't getting seriously ill exactly. for the most part yes yeah, so you know obviously you'd still be concerned for immunocompromised people mm-hmm. um, and i know that there are people who are very frustrated in that community mm-hmm. um but but outside of that it seems like people are you know yeah i think getting sick, most getting people are getting like the way on, me yeah. and you got it like yeah. a bit of a cough a bit of fatigue but we're not ending up in hospital and that's it's always that's always when it's going to come back to with yeah. irish health services like if the health service is under pressure now the health service is always under pressure yeah but it is not um it's not translating into, you know, an issue at the minute with COVID. Okay. But I think it's fair to be a bit worried. You, It's so rampant in the community. Like, I can't think of anyone now who hasn't had it. But as I say... My husband. Well done. He must be very antisocial. And my kids. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how we've managed that. I managed to have it and not give it to any of them. I now I did this, uh, run off to another county. I read this week that it, it was like a Korean doctor that said if you didn't have, if you haven't had COVID, you, you don't have any friends. I <laughs> Yeah. I actually haven't said that to Gordon. Must, yeah. must mention that. Mention it to Gordon, <laughs> my husband. Um, yeah, 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 our shared husband. Um, now, next, I thought this was such an interesting thing that happened during the week with the UK MP, Jamie Wallace, who is not someone I was familiar Me with either. prior to this mm-hmm. week. That statement was a roller coaster. Oh my God. <laughs> for people who haven't seen it. So uh, the Welsh Conservative MP for Bridgend, Jamie Wallace. Conservative MP. Yep. Worth noting. Came out as trans in a statement on Twitter. 
the statement was a roller coaster from start to finish. He basically said he is trans. Um, he said, well, to be more accurate, I want to be. I've been diagnosed with gender dysphoria and I felt this way since I was a very young child. He then detailed that he thought he would leave politics before he came out as trans. I wonder now, just in terms of pronouns. He hasn't um, changed yet. Okay. Yeah. Um, and hasn't, you know, said anything about changing a name or anything like okay. that in the statement. Basically, he said that he was living privately, you know, as a trans person and he was blackmailed. Um, someone had photographs or something and they tried to extort £50,000 out of him. Um, he went to the police. The person was arrested. He later goes on to detail that he was then raped when he was on a date by a man. Um, I know he has PTSD and he was recently in a car accident and he fled the scene. Honestly, this statement... <laughs> It had so much, but I have actually been really heartened by the response that he has gotten. Yeah. Um. You know, Boris Johnson. Uh, I would point out a day after he made um, a transphobic joke in the Commons, um, put out a statement saying that the Tory Party was behind him one hundred percent, that they would support him. He actually detailed in his statement. He said that the whips, the party whips, had been incredible. Yeah. Um. He said he felt very loved and very supported by the Tory Party. He also said, you know, the messages that he's gotten from Labour and you know all the other um political party leaders have you know come out in support of him. So it is, although horrific that this happened to him all the things that happened to him but it has been a it's definitely a sea change you know this is the first ever trans yeah it's MP. huge and, yeah. and a conservative mp as well mm. um i just hope that it goes well for i feel like them i'm gonna them. say them yeah i hope it goes well for them um, and i hope that they continue to have a positive response because it's not easy to be trans and you know this week was trans day of day visibility, visibility. Mm -hmm. visibility i can't speak trans day of visibility and it's still so important to acknowledge that you know being a trans person is not easy particularly in the uk at the moment mm -hmm. there's such a really toxic environment yeah. when it comes to accepting trans people um but if you are trans and you're listening i love you i accept you you will always have my support um, and best of luck to Jamie. Mm -hmm. Now, next up, this is an interesting one. There is a new master of the Rotunda Hospital mm -hmm. and his appointment is not exactly being well received. Yeah, this is a story by um, the ever glamorous and amazing Ellen Coyne. Um, so the new master of the Rotunda is a man and he is the private practice partner of the man who currently holds the job who was also on the interview panel, who picked his private practice partner, uh, partner as the man for the job. Now, I was talking about this with, with Gordon yesterday and I was saying, you know, did you hear this story? And he was like, yeah, but sure, maybe he was the best person for the job. And I was like, yeah, maybe he was. However, there's no way that his private practice business partner should have been on the panel. He should have recused himself. Yeah, so, you know... <clears throat> It details in the story that, you know, recruitment in the Rotunda is subject to the provisions of the public service management agreement and everything was above board and there was and there was no issue. They haven't broken any laws. They haven't, you know, broken any rules. Um, however, it has made people very uncomfortable. Um, it's also the first time that a master of one hospital is now going to be a master of a different hospital. <clears throat> yeah, because he was previously master of Crumlin. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So... Yeah, there's also been some disquiet that it's a man replacing a man in a, matern in a maternity hospital. Mm -hmm. um, people think, you know, it should be um, a woman. Um, it details in the story as well that the panel 
to pick the master of Ireland's oldest maternity hospital is made up of nine men and four women. Mm. Now, it probably is, I'm guessing, but it probably is that there just are more men doctors and like in these roles or whatever but i think that's another issue for another day that needs to be looked at um but yeah so the new master is professor sean daly mm. um who is the private practice partner of professor fergal malone who currently has the job so there's been a bit of disquiet about it they haven't broken any rules but yeah as you said there was a lot of people who felt that he should have recused himself because even if um and they're just business partners that's still a, a conflict of interest. Yeah, it's it still is. a pretty close link. Yeah, no matter no matter how you look at it, it's it's questionable. And if they didn't break any rules, maybe they should look at the rules because yeah. that yeah. doesn't seem right. And that's not, I don't, I mean, obviously I'm not an expert. I'm not in there. I don't know these people. But, you know, that does seem dubious and it casts a shadow over his appointment. And it is, you know, I know that there are women who applied for the role. I read mm-hmm. Dr. Jen Donnelly, um, who I'm fortunate to have met. She's an incredible obstetrician. And she said, honoured to interview for the master slash CEO position at Rotunda Hospital today this is last week she posted this an institution that i have huge respect for uh, commitment inclusivity excellence and innovation disappointed to not have been successful hashtag women in leadership Mm -hmm. and i would just like to see a woman in charge of a maternity hospital yeah and i think it's not that only women could be in charge of a maternity hospital but it is it does seem like surely it's time yes that's the way i felt about it it's like they've never had a woman and it's ireland's oldest maternity hospital and it's 2022 think you know i'm sure there's plenty of very talented and brilliant obstetrician who are also women who could have done the job but Mm. as you say we're not on the interview panel and we don't understand these things (laughs) i'm certainly not an obstetrician (laughs) and i've never run a hospital so maybe not in a position to comment but anyway you just love to see women doing well that's all i'm a big fan of the woman me too 10 out of 10 would recommend it friend (laughs) (laughs) Aoife thank you so much that's Aoife Moore political correspondent from the Irish Examiner Aoife where can people find you I'm Aoife Grace Moore on Twitter and I would ask everyone to please buy the Irish Examiner (laughs) yes buy a paper paper today now as I said at the top of the pod Andrew Fitzsimons is an incredibly successful Irish hairdresser. You may know him from his work with the Kardashians. He also works with people like Megan Fox, just, you know, the hottest women around, basically. Um, And he had a collaboration with Pennies, a hair care collaboration, which I think lots of people absolutely adored, including me. I know there were lots of people who were sad when that collaboration ended. And now he has his own brand. It's available in Boots. Now, if you want to get your hands on it, I think it's gorgeous. um, And I've really enjoyed using the products. But I was really keen to speak to him this time um, because I got to interview him the last time he was here and got to know you know he's a really hard worker he worked so hard to get to where he is from being a teenager in Dublin and he also um he works really hard when it comes to doing good things with his life he does a lot of work with trans people in LA and when I saw the advertising campaign that came with this new hair brand I was really moved to be honest because it included all kinds of different people and for me personally, it was amazing to see a, like a real, like a fat woman, not just, you know, a fashion plus size person who with all the right, right curves and all the right places, like a properly full figured woman, um, you know, shot boldly and with her own image, not just kind of tucked in behind other models. And I really wanted to ask him about why he made that decision, why it was important for him to do that. But I started by asking him about one of his most favorite cl- famous 
I started by asking him about one of his most famous clients because she has got some really long blonde hair at the moment. Chloe is living her blonde life at the moment. I'm loving this blonde look on her. Yeah, um, she, I don't really be usually become friends with clients. I usually have uh, boundaries because I also have to have my personal time. Um, so uh, Chloe is one of those clients that just from working together for so long, we be, we've become more than friends. We're like family at this point. Um, so it's like having a, a really good friend or a best friend that you see uh, starting to like really shine, really come into their own. Oh, that's um, And I can tell, like, you know, with friends, you can tell when someone's like a little off, or you can tell when someone's um, going through something rough. Um, but it's really nice to see her generally like shining, like smiling from the inside. Oh, that's great. Um, yeah, so yeah, we we're just in Miami. She has very, very long blonde hair right now, <laughs> which I love, um, which is very, very Miami. Uh, I think we were there, well, I was there for eight hours and then I flew here. Yeah, because you're like, your life is crazy. You travel a lot, obviously, you have to be kind of ready to go at any time and yeah. you and I have spoken before about your career and you know the amazing work that you do and how hard you worked to make it from being mm -hmm. you know a teenage hairdresser in Dublin to being where you are now which is absolutely at the top of your game there's no doubt about that and today we are going to chat about the fact that you're in Dublin to launch your own hair care line yeah. which is kind of your second hair care line yeah in a way yeah um but I suppose what I wanted to to really focus on today because we have talked about your career before yeah. is the campaign that mm. launched your hair care line yeah uh which was really significant to me and I'm sure to lots of other people because diversity in beauty is usually kind of a tokenistic thing yeah. and beauty campaigns might include someone who isn't white and it might include someone who has a disability and it might include mm -hmm. someone who's plus size but yeah. usually you feel like it's like a box ticking ex exercise yeah. but your campaign is not like that mm. tell me about that decision yeah uh, well for me this has been um a project that is 20, 21 years. I started hairdressing 21 years ago. Um, it's It's been 21 years in the making, pretty much, or I'm 34. So it's, it's, it's the most me thing I've ever done. It's basically culminating every lesson that I didn't know why I was learning mm -hmm. uh, growing up. Um, I, I left school really young. I traveled the world really young um, with not a lot of access to anything, trying to carve things for myself and going through a lot of hard times and not really understanding why I had this like urge or like um, uh, this um, drive to, to move in a certain way that was so far from home and so far from what I was used to. Um, so. Um, yeah, as you said, I, I, I have brought out products before. I had a really, really uh, amazing experience um, working with pennies and creating products. And that was like very specific to, because it was for pennies, um, it was almost like my love letter to the girls that I grew up with, you yeah. know, and my, my sister, my mom, and creating something special for people who, when price inclusivity was talked about before, 
and do you know what? A lot of the time it wasn't even talked about. It was just like, if something is this price, it's going to be the shit version. It's going yeah. to be the watered down version. The packaging is going to be the least imaginative. Um, so that's kind of what I want to do with that. Mm. Um, was, and you did it. I, yeah, well, I, I really, that, that was my, my, my number one agenda, basically, was yeah. to say, hey, you can actually just put thought and creativity into something. You don't need, always need the biggest budgets um, for something to be a, uh, an experience. Yeah. And as a gay homosexual, I'm about an experience. <laughs> a I like gay things, homosexual. Yeah. I, I'm like that's the, the gayest type of homosexual. Yeah. Um, but I like I like thing, for things to be beautiful, yeah. and that that can mean a million different things to me, and it can mean a million different things to other people. Um, so this time around, this is my own brand that I own. This is this is a, a, a kind of like a slice of my brain. Uh, it's it's the kind of products that I always wanted to be able to create. Um, I'm really really proud of the the formulas, the packaging. Uh, then when it came to the campaign, I always really try to think about messaging. Um, one thing from therapy that I learned is that um, words have a lot of power and significance, whether you realize it or not. Um, the way people interpret your communication uh, is an interpretation. So um, creating visuals that I knew were a tool uh, for to uh, communicate with specifically women uh, on a large scale, I obviously knew that I wanted to be respectful. Um, women saved me, women, I went from a all boys rugby, sc rugby school that had like priestess teachers and stuff like that. It wasn't uh, <laughs> a, a, a safe space for me as, as a sensitive uh, gay boy in, in Dublin in the 90s. Um, uh, women kind of took me in, mm -hmm. uh, sheltered me uh, when I, when I uh, worked in a when I got a job at a hair salon at 13, I just for the first time didn't have to perform as male. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I'm, a, I'm a boy, I'm male, but I'm not. I, I'm not going to pretend I like sports for anyone, for straight people. I'm not going to pretend. Yeah. I, I, I don't choose to live my life that way. Um, so women gave me that tool to be able to actually believe in myself, to see myself, to grow my real self. Um, so I made that com a commitment to myself then to never exploit women, to only work with women. Um, so when it came to my campaign, it was really, really important for me to say something because not only do I, did I see advertising and beauty as... Um, a male-made environment in which you, <laughs> the business model, which is a kind of a genius business model, is like create insecurities in women and then sell them the remedy. Yeah. Um, hey, you're supposed to look like this and you don't, but use this and you may. Um, is like that's that's great for selling lots of stuff, but it actually is one of the most damaging uh, parts of advertising. Um, f fashion and beauty really have have done a lot of damage to 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 women and how women perceive themselves. Yeah. Um, and a lot of those decisions were made by men. Yeah. Um, so for me. Uh, being a different type of boy, um, it was important for me to, when I had my messaging, for it to be um, positive, for it to be my contribution to uh, not only uh, hairstyling, because uh, in the hair world, specifically even in um, beauty, uh, hair has been advertised the, the same way always. Uh, when the first celebrity hairstylists came out, the John Fridas or the uh, Vidal Sassoon's in the 60s, it was a male's interpretation of, of femininity or of women, women's identities. And nothing really changed after that. It was always this not a hair out of place, cardboard looking hair. 
And <laughs> like, I, I can't imagine, like as a boy, like I can just roll up in sweatpants and I'm and put on a shirt and I'm grand. Whereas like women, you have to like, you have to do it all in heels and your hair can't be out of place and like mind the child and like all this, all this bullshit. Yeah. Um, so for me, I want to do reset people's expectations of uh, what they expect from hair advertising or beauty advertising. And I wanted uh, to not create those, um, uh, not feed into or perpetuate those uh, ideals that actually mean nothing to to everyday people. Um, and, and reset in a way where like my advertising is a giant blue sky. It's really simple. And I just wanted it to be the simple communication of this giant blue sky kind of symbolizing for me anyway, freedom, possibilities, like uh, that's the sky is all of ours, yeah. you know, nature is all of ours. Um, I didn't want it to be like a white background, a model with like stiff, gorgeous hair, shiny, blah, 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 and uh, to be a fantasy, have, having a load of pack of packs of hair in there and just create something that isn't realistic. Um, the hair is blowing in the wind mm. wildly. Um, all of the women that uh, we cast um, are all individually powerful, powerful women yeah. um, in their own rights. And I wanted them all to be able to uh, show that power. And, the, and, and, and kind of like what I was talking about earlier about Chloe is like be able to shine from the inside and that be their power yeah. and be like, okay, these are products. I can talk about the products all day. I can talk about hair all day. Um, but this is this is for you and this is can be your interpretation rather than um, me trying to project anything onto you. And women are projected on all day, every day. I, I, I <laughs> yeah. do not want to add to that. Um, well, how did it feel then when when the campaign kind of came out and people responded to it in the way that they did? I'm thinking specifically about the beauty writer, the British beauty writer, Laura Capon, yeah. who wrote a gorgeous piece, which honestly, I feel like I could have written myself, like mm. every word of that I felt. Mm. And what she wrote was, um, for people who haven't read it, that, you know, as fat women who work in beauty, like she was and I was as well like one of the reasons that I'm so into beauty and passionate about beauty is because you don't have to be a certain size to wear yeah. lipstick you know yeah. it's always accessible size fits all, yeah. exactly and you know even if you're broke you can there are there you can you can grab a few pennies together and find yeah. a lipstick that you can afford yeah. um whereas you know when I went shopping with my friends for clothes there was nothing there for me yeah. uh, and so she spoke about how powerful it was to see a campaign with and I, I use the word fat that's how mm -hmm. I like to describe myself mm -hmm. um, it's very powerful for me actually just for mm -hmm. anyone who's listening who doesn't know this, mm -hmm. taking that word, taking control of that word yeah. has been very powerful for me. And to see a really beautiful, properly fat plus size woman mm -hmm. in her own photo, mm -hmm. looking stunning from an angle that maybe would be considered unflattering, but for me just says power. Mm -hmm. Like that was mind blowing. Mm -hmm. and, and I've spoken to other plus size women in Ireland who I know feel the same. Laura wrote about it beautifully mm -hmm. and I'll link to that in the show notes so that people can read the article. Mm -hmm. What does that mean to you? Um, reading that article, I, I, I had, I think I had like some meeting, like uh, a couple of minutes after, like that morning, uh, LA time, it's like eight hours, uh, after, um, I, I was, should we just pause? Yeah, we can pause. <laughs> or do we keep going? We're in my hotel room and the coffee just came. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just keep going. We're in the flow. Yeah. Uh, I read the piece and I just immediately bawled my eyes out mm. women women to me are well I, I i don't know this is gonna sound weird but i see everything in a in a circular kind of way my my spiritual outlook is very um uh, very circular uh, i believe everything works in cooperation so w one woman is all women to me 
um, uh, Peachy, the the model um, that that you're referring to in the campaign, she's she's my mom. She's my sister. She's all women are. Um, so reading something that I guess that I I I I, I hadn't prepared myself. Yeah. I, I knew what I wanted to do, and I knew who I wanted to be for women, um, but I hadn't at all uh, prepared myself for actually putting it out into the world and then other people perceiving it and and taking away what what they take away from it and i did want it to be kind of left open to interpretation not be literal like hey love your body yeah. like uh, whatever um it's it's because it says like it says so much more because it's not literal yeah and i think it's all the more powerful mm. and like you know one thing i wanted to say to you in this conversation is i was thinking about i was like why you and i obviously we met before and i kind of felt we connected on some yeah. level yeah and i felt very comfortable with you and i was trying to i was thinking this morning i was like i wonder what that is and i think it's because i knew this about you mm. i knew that you Every situation that you go into as a fat person, I will I'll speak for myself, mm -hmm. every situation that I go into in the back of my mind is, is this person judging me because of my size? Because right. a lot of people are. Right. And even if it's not conscious or they're not intending to, they are. Right. And you don't really know where you are in their brain right. on the spectrum of judgment or right. fat phobia. Right. And I know that that's not you. Yeah. And so I automatically feel kind of at peace with you in a way that I might not with other people. You know, it's it's so powerful. And, and you putting out that visual says to every woman i i want you to use my product i want everyone i'm i'm i i connect with you i see you i respect you mm -hmm. and it's so rare mm. it's tragic isn't it that it's so rare it is and to me the, it, even just that the campaign like we have lots of different types of imagery with lots of different types of yeah. women like we have uh in one of our collections we have um this amazing woman um named Cataluna, who's the first uh, Trans Miss USA contestant. And um, myself and my friend Wendy, uh, she's been my sister for 10 years. We met in New York. Uh, she's an incredible makeup artist and happens to be trans. And we were standing there on set, looking at the monitor, looking at the, the images coming in of Cataluna, just shining, just shining. And we just both we didn't say a word to each other, we just both started tearing up because oh. we both at the same time realized that we were, that their little trans and gender non-conforming kids and even gay kids um, were going to see her in a, in a beauty store, but yeah. go see her in a store with, with um, as an example of beauty. And that, and that meant a lot. Um, but when it came to the campaign, it wasn't even for me an exercise of like, I want you to buy my products is like it's no I want this to be an example of how to communicate to women when it comes if we're if we're talking about a business if we're talking about buying things and selling things and uh, identities um, I want I wanted the campaign to be more of a reset of how we we communicate to each other in that way in that forum because it doesn't have to be a damaging one um, and that has uh, that means so many different things to different people, and it is only the first step. Um, but I think a lot of brands they don't want to be emulated. They want to be like they want to corner a market. I want to be emulated. I want people to really, really deeply think about the consequences of their communications on every level, especially when it comes to large advertising. Like yeah. it only makes sense. 
Andrew, like, I could talk to you for 17 years and I am just so blown away by what you've done. It means so much to me personally and I know to so many other women and people, as you say, because it's such a diverse campaign. Mm -hmm. The packaging on the products is stunning, by the way. Thank you. Um, I feel like I could see it in, like, the, like, I don't know, like, Michelle Pfeiffer and Scarface's bathroom. Yes, yes. Um, And uh, I just know it's going to be a huge success. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you for coming on my little old podcast, brand new. Oh my God, I'm so excited. (laughs) Like, we uh, the the fact that you are a voice in Ireland and a voice of women in Ireland is like you're the future. So Aww. like we're 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 aligned. Stop! I'm gonna cry. <laughs> Thank you so much. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry, and some well less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs. United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Well, when I woke up on Monday morning and I saw the news about the Oscars and all of the drama that had gone down, there was one thing I thought, and it was, thank God I have a podcast now where I can talk about celebs. (laughs) And thank God this week I'll be talking to Cassie Delaney about all of this stuff. It is that time. We're going to chat through the biggest celeb stories of the week, of which there is one which dominates. I'm sure you can appreciate. Cassie Delaney, it is such a delight to be back sitting with you. And honestly, I could not have chosen a better week for us to be together again. Oh my God, I was giddy. So I knew we were going on from previous last weekend. And then when the Oscars happened, I was like, oh my God, I could not be more thrilled. Obviously, I was like, this is bad and this is chaotic, but I get to talk about it on the Louise McSharry show. (laughs) I actually couldn't. Like when I woke up, I woke up and, you know, obviously like all healthy people, the first thing I do is check my phone. I opened Instagram and there was a, someone had posted their tweet to their Instagram account, someone who was at the Oscars. Mm -hmm. And they were like, oh my God, Will Smith just got on stage and slapped Chris Rock, like blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, I was like, this is some kind of joke. Gag. Can't be true. Has to be. But but no. No, it wasn't. So, I mean, everybody probably knows what happened at this stage. Chris Rock was presenting an award, got up and made a made a 
poor joke about Jada. Yeah. So it was it was a bad joke, and that's the thing. It was like even if it wasn't kind of ill-timed and and mean it was just a poor joke yeah i was like a gi jane reference in 2022 like Like what 25 years later okay good one chris rock yeah so um will smith then kind of initially laughed then saw jada's reaction then got onto the stage a long old walk up to chris rock and gave him this kind of open-handed slap in the face and then sat back down and shouted at him you know keep keep my wife's name out of your out of your effing mouth so I'm still like we can't curse it's okay. even though it's a podcast um, <laughs> keep my wife's name out of your mouth and then he like doubled down and shouted louder so everyone was like was yeah. this a gag it's a good it's, it's very convincing if it's a gag but then in the fallout afterwards it became quickly apparent that it was not like it was a genuine moment of assault on stage it was is- yeah like it was wild and watching people talk about it afterwards I thought was really interesting because obviously lots of different people came at it from different perspectives mm-hmm. and I've seen loads of people who and obviously the whole thing was that Jada Pinkett Smith had alopecia mm-hmm. and that was one of the reasons that she wore her hair so short and so you know the the basic concept of someone making a joke at someone's expense when it's based on a medical condition like obviously nobody's going to argue that that's okay it's not no um and I saw lots of people with with alopecia talking about it this week and saying you know it's not nice to be the butt of people's jokes and it really represents the general attitude towards this condition people don't take it seriously mm-hmm. um and then there were other people coming at it from a completely different perspective from like a, you know an anti-violence perspective and then there were people talking about it from a, a race perspective and mm-hmm. like differences in culture so there was a lot of chat this week there was a lot of chat about it so I think one of the interesting things when we look at like all pop culture moments like this it's even though I know pop culture is often seen as frivolous, but what it does is it presents an opportunity to assess the sentiment of society. Yeah. So the fallout from it and the way people have reacted are telling us a lot about how we feel about violence, Mm. especially violence on like a mainstream stage like the Oscars. So actually a group called Blue Rose Research, they're a Democratic pollster, surveyed 2,162 Americans online immediately after the Academy Awards. And overall, 52.3% of people said that Chris Rock deserved what came to him, Mm. which is very interesting. But one of the like one of the very, very interesting points of this survey was that the younger the people were, the younger the respondents were, the more likely they were to blame Chris Rock. So it wasn't until we didn't see till kind of a a change in that attitude till between 50 to 64 when people were like, actually, will is mostly to blame or will is mostly in the wrong and I suppose the issue with this kind of instant is that like it is so nuanced and everyone's bringing their own experiences to it mm. um Sean King who's a really prolific uh advocate uh, in America and he's a big um spokesperson for the Black Lives Matter movement he had did a live on his Instagram on Monday night like I consumed every bit of media I could find oh, I'm loving this on digest, yeah. <laughs> and he said the problem with an incident like this is that it's like that ink blot test that a yeah. psychiatrist gives you everyone brings their own experience to it yeah so we can't objectively break down what happened here and we're trying to find the lesser of two evils because we want to process the world in black and white yeah and there isn't a black and white here. but there isn't like it is it is there's there's so much too and I think the conversations that have been happening particularly around race afterwards and the highlighting that you know black women in America are the least protected people in all of America is true yeah and therefore Will was justified to get up and defend her now a lot of other people jumping in and saying his defense and the way he went to violence 
while very emotional is still toxic masculinity yeah. that to defend a woman you must get physical with the man yeah that's kind of where I've landed on it I found I think- even like the what he said like keep my keep my uh mother effing wife's name out of your mother effing mouth or whatever yeah. it was all this is my woman you yeah. know and I just never like that vibe yeah like, and even you know, in it, his speech he was like it's my job to protect like I protect the women on on set I protect my family love makes you do crazy things it's like no love doesn't make you do crazy things well testosterone makes you do crazy things testosterone and alcohol and whatever else yeah. is going at the Oscars made you do that I think um, I would like to flag I think Sean King might be slightly problematic I just want to acknowledge that there's some mixed reports about him mm, on the internet okay. but anyway that's fine the point the point stands um, but I think for me what I thought about a lot was y- you know he didn't seem like he was in the greatest form of his life no will like you know who knows what's going on and I know there were lots of people who said that like there could be a lot of other stuff going on and obviously people brought in all of the various conversations that have happened about Will and Jada like at the end of the day we don't know like we've no idea what the story is or what's going on in their relationship right now or what history he has with Chris Rock even or any of that stuff but one thing I thought was interesting that I, I saw someone pointing out was that like Will Smith if Will Smith wanted to have Chris Rock on the ground, like really hurt him, yeah. he could easily do that. You know, it, there's a huge size difference. Obviously, Will Smith has done loads of training in his life yeah. at being a big, tough man. Like if he'd wanted to floor him, he could have, but he didn't. Like he chose to to hit him in a particular way which I thought was interesting as well. Like, what was the intent? Like, it seems like there was a conscious choice, I feel like, not to really properly hurt him. Not mm. saying that what he did is mild or okay, but just in the context of who Will yeah. Smith is. It and was the kind fact of, that it was a slap, not, yeah. a, not a, like a dead-on punch, yeah. you know? I do think that he was conscious of what he was doing. Yeah. He made a decision to hit Chris Rock in that way. Yeah. I mean, he was there was a long old walk from his seat up to yeah. the stage. He was thinking about it. Yeah. I think that the worrying thing about it, and I think it's far more nuanced. It's not as easy to say, okay, children will have seen that and now children will accept violence. I don't think that that's an issue. I, I also don't know how many children are watching the Oscars, to yeah, be honest. I pretty, don't know how many people in general are watching the Oscars these boring days. They're boring these days. Um, but I think that his the kind of messaging around toxic ma- masculinity the signals that he's sending off about it are wrong yeah and I would like to see I would like to have seen him stand up for Jada and say you know that is a poor joke but do it in a way that is not violent well I think it would have been amazing and and what's unfortunate about this for him is that he finally won his best actor Oscar that Mm. night and you know that's not what people are talking about and I think it would have been amazing if he'd gotten up and accepted his award and said before I say anything I'd like to say you know my wife has a medical condition and that joke at her expense was not okay yeah like it's not like he doesn't have an opportunity to send that message in another way Mm. and I think it's I keep I can't stop thinking about that research you mentioned though that it was the younger people who thought it was okay yeah I would have thought like you know given the fact that we're talking about like the woke generation and all the rest that people would not have thought that it was was super super interesting so like they broke it down in loads of different areas um particularly where you would assume say that Trump supporters would have been more I mean in favor more in favor it was split right down the middle um the lower income bracket the more likely they were to break to blame Chris Rock and the lower the level of education the more likely they were to blame Chris Rock as well so maybe it speaks to kind of how people feel like they are treated or maybe it feels 
like the indefensible or the the more vulnerable members of society could see themselves reflected in Jada yeah. a bit more and they didn't want to be the butt of the joke. I don't know. I just think it's very interesting. I think looking at that age breakdown, it is interesting. But it does show that we have a long way to go in terms of education around violence yeah. and confrontation and conflict. Yeah, definitely. Look, we could talk about it all day, but we oh, have to talk, talk about, about Liam Payne. Hours. <laughs> Liam. What? What was happening there? Do you know what, though? I think it's a blessing in disguise that his accent was so weird. Because if you stop and ignore the accent and listen to what was coming out of his mouth, it is just pure horseshit. A garbled mess. Like, I have no idea what he was talking about. Absolutely insane. So the story is that he was stopped by Good Morning Britain on the red carpet... And, and like, why was why was Liam Payne even at the Oscars? Why was Good Morning Britain at the Oscars to interview Liam Payne from Wolverhampton? It's oh like, surely you could have done that back in the studio. Yeah, true. Um, so yeah, Good Morning Britain there stopped Liam, 28 years of age, talking about the beef. And during the conversation, he was like, I can't take sides. You know, uh, Will Smith is his neighbor um, and he knows Will Smith's family and his kids. But he's also kind of friendly with Chris Rock because he met him uh, when he was playing at Madison, uh, when he played a sold out show at Madison Square Garden. Do you think Chris Rock, Will Smith and Will Smith's kids actually know who Liam Payne is? Absolutely not. <laughs> like, I'd Although say- I suppose maybe Chris Rock's daughter or son is a huge... One Direction fan. I'd say they're like Liam Payne is friends with Harry Styles. Right. Like that's I think what the, the, the connection would be. But when he was stopped and asked his opinion, he revealed his answer in the strangest new accent I've ever heard from a, from a British export over into into the US. It was some people were calling it like just an American twang, but it's actually like it's almost as if it's this kind of Dutch European mixed sounded a bit welsh to me at times just bizarre and also will not pronounce the last um the last syllable of any word (laughs) so it was just like everything kind of fell off into this twang but it was a good distraction because he just kept referring to will smith as one of the world's greatest emotors and it was just like Talking about this moment of beauty that came out of the conflict, he was like, it was just, he spoke from the heart and it was, it was wonderful. It was so great to see. I was like, this is weird. Why is Liam Payne being the commenter on this, this conflict anyway? It was very strange. I will say I, and I know lots of people are like, oh, Will Will Smith's acceptance speech was just like, you know, pathetic effort to kind of get Mm. people outside. But I think he was speaking from the heart. And I think his point about like, you know, when you're in this job, you have to ignore a lot of things that people say and you have to ignore a lot of disrespect. Yeah. Like, that's true, you know? Mm. And even, you know, at a, at a pathetic low level, whatever you would call where I am in the scheme of profile, like, you have to ignore what people oh, say yeah, about you. And yeah. people say horrible things about you and you just have to get on with it, you know? It's so nasty, I And think. it is... That is a weird thing. Yeah. I can understand snapping, but I, I mean, doing it at the Oscars, doing it physically, it's all, yeah. It's all the only much. thing I did not really like about his speech was his comparison to Richard Williams. Yes, I, I thought that was out of line. He really should not have dragged the family into it. Yeah. That was a really great moment for them. Did you see, though, the, 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 I saw a photo, it was obviously a screen grab of Venus and Serena watching, and Serena's face, like, she looked like she looked compassionate yeah. and she was kind of holding on to Venus's arm like she felt 
felt for him you know so hopefully yeah. the family weren't too upset because it really should have been their night and by the way I know we don't have time but like Beyonce's performance holy oh, moly what a yeah. tribute to Venus yeah. and Serena amazing now before we leave the Oscars and we don't have a lot of time left but before we leave the Oscars what a beautiful moment between Lady Gaga and Eliza Minnelli. Absolutely gorgeous. So um, Eliza Minnelli was there on stage with Lady Gaga to present an award for Best Picture. Um, Eliza was uh, celebrating 50 years of cabaret, 50 yeah. year anniversary. So she she came on stage and she was in a wheelchair, but um, she kind of fumbled over her notes a little bit, was a little bit kind of spooked or something on yeah. stage. Seemed visibly nervous. And Lady Gaga just presented her with the most beautiful compassion and patience and kind of held her hand. You could really see it's yeah. a really, really good close handhold. And yeah. she was really trying to make her feel safe and bent down to her and was like, I got you. And Liza's like, I know. And that was when, like when they thought they'd already thrown to the clips. So like they didn't think any, I, I really genuinely think they didn't, she, Gaga didn't think anyone was going to hear that. Like, because yeah. they were like, and here are the nominees for the best pictures. And then after about five seconds, Gaga goes, I got you. Like it yeah. was so beautiful. I just thought it was really respectful. It wasn't in any way patronizing. And like, you know, we see... I think we all have probably a lot to learn about how to treat older people with mm. dignity and respect. And it was really gorgeous to see it kind of on that huge stage. Yeah. Um, and really speaks to Lady Gaga's opinion of the legacy of the Oscars. Yeah. That here is someone who deserves to be respected. Here is old school cinema. Yeah. This is old school Hollywood. It was just beautiful. Loads of people on Twitter calling for Lady Gaga to present next year's Oscars. 100% do it through music oh that God. will that will boost the ratings please I would love that um, and then quickly before I let you go two little pieces of, of film news which I thought were interesting this week Ashling B is being in a is being in is being <laughs> Ashling B does be in a new film she does about, be in a new film about Take That now look there's puns I can't read any pieces about this because the Take That puns <laughs> are just going through my head but doesn't it make you feel like the way men feel about sport when you see an Irish woman perform <laughs> yes. well globally yes. I'm like Cohan, you Ashling in green and she's so great she's so fantastic yeah it's the same with the pillow king pillow queens yes. on James Gordon again um I just feel feel so much pride and joy and I'm like I feel like I know these people yes personally. pillow queens of course who how do you how do I look which is the theme song of this podcast is, is their song they're amazing um yeah no I feel like I get like starstruck when I when I see the pillow queens um and Ashling B as well so she's going to be in a new film that's uh, about to take take that story with a great cast and she said I can't wait to sing which is really interesting because the only rendition we've ever heard of Ashling singing is zombie, zombie. Which in is, this way up, yeah, which is comedy gold. But I wouldn't Amazing. say they're known for their voices. But I think I suspect that Ashing is going to have one of those kind of gorgeous low tonal voices, like mm. when Jennifer Lawrence sang in The Hunger Games. Yeah, and it kind of surprised everyone. It was like you're not a singer, but this is lovely. God, don't you just love to see? As he said yourself, you love to see an Ashing doing well. I do. And then before we let, before we finish, Lisa Kudrow has said. She wouldn't say no to a Romeo and Michelle reunion. Yeah, so she said she's Let me tell you, Googling this story is very hard because the movie is called Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion. 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 Yeah. Romeo and Michelle's yeah. High School Reunion, Reunion. Yeah, and so I did the maths on this, right? So she was on Jimmy Kimmel and um, she was talking about how during the SAG Awards in February, um, her and Mira Sorvino 
popped on their costumes from Romy and Michelle's, re, sort of re-engaged with their characters and how then they were like, yeah, actually, let's do this again. So the screenwriter, Robin Schiff, had been asked before and said no. And then after the SAG Awards was like, yes, let's maybe do this. So still very, very vague. Um, but doing the maths, the original film was in 1997 at their 10 year school reunion. So it might make sense for them to do a 40 year reunion in 2027. Oh, I would love that so much. Yeah. I love that film. I'm going to rewatch that actually the next time I have two hours, which is maybe never, but sometime soon I'm yeah, going absolutely. to rewatch. I'd say it's a perfect Sunday afternoon watch. It's just gorgeous. Great well, film. Well, Cassie Delaney, it has been an absolute treasure to spend time with you talking about the celebs again cassie is a founder of tall tales podcast you can hear cassie on the creep dive which is magnificent it's a uh, jen o'dwyer and sophie white and cassie talking about creepy stuff last week jen found a human tooth on a beach um, <laughs> live reporting from the studio it is the guards truly um, so much fun so if you're yes. looking for a podcast to listen to after this one i can't recommend it enough cassie thank you so much thank you louise We are just about at the end of our episode this week. But before I go, I wanted to tell you about some things that I've been holding on to for months. And in like between the jigs and the reels last week, I just completely forgot to tell you about recommendations. Um, But I've been saving up some special things that I think you might enjoy if you're looking for entertainment or indeed food this week. Wanted to start with Somebody Somewhere, which is an absolutely gorgeous show. It's on Sky or Now TV. I think it was on HBO Max in America. And it's called Somebody Somebody somewhere. It's featuring Bridget Everett, who you may know. Um, she was in uh, Patty Cakes, that film. And she's been in bits and pieces, but you would definitely know her to see her. And she basically is someone who has returned to the small town in Oklahoma that she grew up in. Oklahoma? Kansas? Somewhere like that. Um, and it's about her kind of recovering from the death of a loved one. And it's a dark comedy, but it's really gorgeous I loved it the characters are not the kind of characters I think that you see a lot on TV and I just can't recommend it enough short episodes as well which I don't know about you but this girl falls asleep if she tries to watch anything that's longer than 40 minutes these days so a good 20-30 minute or that's a winner for me Um, I also wanted to recommend I was in Galway there a couple of weeks ago and we went to Tartar which is a restaurant there specialising in kind of small plates and um, delicious wine When I say we had a time, there were six of us, we ordered the entire menu and I cannot recommend that you gather a group and do that exact thing if you get a chance. It was delicious. And then finally for this week, uh, I had COVID a couple of weeks ago and I finally had time to watch Pink's documentary, which is on Amazon Prime. And I found it really interesting. I'm not like a particular Pink fan, um, like but but I love music documentaries, so I decided I'd give it a go. And it's interesting because it follows her on tour, but it is really more about parenting. She brings her kids with her everywhere, basically. Um, and it's, it was a lot about her relationship with them and the dynamic and how she makes it work. Um, and I found it quite thought-provoking in terms of how we look at parenting and working parents and how people make things work. Um I would be interested, actually, if you watch it to hear what you think, um, if you want to drop me a message on social media or an email, and then maybe I could bring some of your feedback to the podcast next week, because I thought some of the things she said about parenting 
I didn't completely agree with, but she certainly is dedicated to raising her children and being with them. And I thought that was really impressive, the way that she kind of builds her world around them. So anyway, that's called All I Know So Far. It's on Amazon Prime. It's not, it's like an hour and 40 minutes, not too big of an undertaking. And um, it was certainly a good distraction from my COVID so maybe you're in that boat this week because God knows loads of us are. Anyway, that is all for today. I would so appreciate it if you would rate, review, follow, you know, all those things that you do on your podcast platforms. It all really helps. Um, I've heard people say that 100 million times on other podcasts and now it's my turn, but apparently it actually really does help. Uh, that's what they're telling me. So yeah, I will talk to you next Friday. In the meantime, have a great one. <laughs>